You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Gowell? Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 68 brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host today, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And joining me as he has been for all of these training camp updates. Today is day five. We're going to be talking with BLG, Brandon Lee Gowan. May he forever reign. He was there, boots on the ground, live there at the Novacare Complex, checking out practice. BLG, how you doing, brother? Mike, doing well. Glad to be here. Uh, the Eagles had their toughest training camp practice today in terms of being just hot and long. And it was the first live session that they had, uh, you know, where they actually tackle to the ground. They only do that really twice in training camp. So this is one of their two days we'll, they'll be doing that. So uh, it was a grueling practice. It's the kind of practice that training camp is made out to be when it's it's not very fun and you're kind of just going through the worst of it. Naturally, uh, with that, there was a lot of action. When when does fatigue set in for you with training camp? How quickly does it set in? Like, man, we got another day sitting out here. The days are long. Like, that, does it has it started already? Or are you so fresh off of your vacation that you can that you're hanging in there pretty good? I'm feeling tired. I'm I'm a wimp, I guess. Uh, <laughs> It's funny too, just as I always say, like it's it's just funny to think about how like I come home after sitting in the sun or not really sitting, standing in the sun for a long time and sweating and stuff, and I'm just sitting there on the sideline, you know, like watching. You know, I'm I'm not out there like the players are who actually have it much more tougher than I do, but still it is taxing, I would say, mentally, just you know, watching practice and uh, trying to, to see everything and there's just so many players um, obviously 90 on the offseason roster and you're trying to like see everything and you can't always see everything but I try to see as much as I can so I'm, I'm definitely feeling tired after <laughs> after uh, I end up like writing my notes which, and like take over an hour and you can read those obviously on bleedinggreennation.com I try to go in depth with those try to make it feel like you guys are there uh, so it's a lot of work but it's ultimately rewarding I love it uh, I love what we do here at Bleeding Green Nation and BGN Radio so ultimately I feel pretty good. Yeah, and it's great to have you out there so we can have these takeaways and do all these recap shows every day after practice like we've been doing here at BGN Radio. So keep it up, man. Hang in there. Uh, your next day off isn't too far away. It's Friday. It's not so bad. And, and BLG, look, I am not going to do what you think I'm going to do and just gas up Sidney Jones and Camus <laughs> Gruget Hill right out the gate. I'm going to save it for the second half of the show when we talk defense. But spoiler alert, my sons are killing it out there. But let's start, as is customary, with the offense. Carson Wentz, and more specifically, his deep ball, which we've talked about a lot. It's been a running theme throughout these shows. He was connecting on it in day five of training camp. What did you see from the franchise quarterback today? Yeah, I saw Carson Wentz go out and kind of SpongeBob meme. Uh, you know, the, the doubters out there who are like, yeah. oh, Carson Wentz can't throw the deep ball. Uh, well, he definitely could today. And even, you know, on Monday, too, that's something we had talked about with Deshaun. Let's so with Deshaun today, although he did connect with him one-on-one, -on -one, uh, just ran by Sidney Jones. Disagree. 
Yeah, I know it's a, it's a point of contention for you, sure. You misidentified the number is, is what I'm taking that as. Yeah, but I mean, well, it, it really just doesn't matter. Like you could have any, almost it feels like any cornerback out there, and it, it's like irrelevant. Deshaun is just going to run by him. Like, that's <laughs> just basically what he's been doing all offseason long. Uh, Aguilar too. Wentz was hitting him both on one on ones and team drills. Uh, that was good to see. Aguilar had that bad day on Saturday, but he's really bounced back since then. We talked about that, Mike, on Monday's episode, but also really today, just really stepping it up even more, having a couple like big, huge chunk plays, caught a 40-yard catch on like a third and 20 situation where Jim Schwartz was playing his beloved sticks defense (laughs) and another completion to Aguilar from Wentz on a flea flicker. So that was fun to see. Uh, Yeah, so overall, Wentz is looking pretty good still. There was the interception he threw to Sidney Jones, which we will touch on in a bit here. And he also had uh, a deep pass for Alshon that was tipped away once again by Sidney Jones, which we also talk about. Uh, so I guess that's one concern I would have from Wentz and something people I feel like have kind of been asking about. Like, is he on the same page with, with Alshon? I would say not yet exactly. Um, that's something they're working on. I think they're more simpatico in the intermediate slash short passing game, but I think the deep connection with those two is still kind of a work in progress. Yeah, and that's that's not surprising. So we'll keep track of that. And it's good to see as well. You know, Aguilar, you mentioned two straight days of having having good days at camp after a bad day on Saturday. So his redemption tour part two is officially underway. Also, keeping it with the the skill players here on the offensive side of the ball, the guys getting the targets from Wentz. You mentioned in your camp notes for BleedingGreenNation.com that a rookie made the play of the day. Would you care to elaborate on that, good sir? Yeah, it's kind of been a quiet training camp so far for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, and even today's touchdown really wasn't like, you know, it wasn't an intended play to him. I think some people might have seen it that way. But from my angle, there was definitely a defender. I can't remember who it's, you know, happened so fast. Could have been Maddox who tipped the ball into the air. Carson Wentz's throw instead of going to Nelson Aguilar, which I'm pretty sure he was intending to throw to, ended up going to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for... Now, I will give, you know, the rookie credit for being aware, you know, having awareness of what was going on. And really, he caught that ball in stride and he just sprinted down the (laughs) sideline and no one caught him. Like, I don't think we think of JJ as a burner, but like, you know, he flashed some pretty good speed on like what was a pretty much an 80 yard touchdown uh, catch and then run. And the offense was really fired up about that. Like they like they don't usually like always celebrate every touchdown uh, if someone has one. Like they don't always just like start running down the field and really getting all excited. They did for this one. So they were really fired up for that. Um, JJ also had a really nice contested catch against Rizul Douglas, who has been having a very good offseason. Um, so I like to see that. That was in one-on-one. So JJ hasn't had the most uh, loud camp in terms of activity, but I saw some good things from him today. Yeah, you mentioned JJ's speed not necessarily being, you know, he's he's not known for that. But I remember if, if anybody missed the draft coverage that we had here at BGN, when he ran his 40 at his uh, Stanford Pro Day, you know, I know somebody connected to the Stanford program and he told me, and this was also reported by other people on the internet and Twitter and whatnot, that there were three scouts that had him timed in the four threes. Now, he's also a track guy, so he's going to have the technique and all that stuff to improve that time. But he is not slow. He's a big dude. He is not slow. He runs like a full-grown deer. So that's good to see J.J. making big plays. And I want to bounce to the offensive line real quick here. I noticed that Shil Kapadia of The Athletic, he was hyping up Andre Dillard's performance, saying that he was consistently stoning defensive ends in pass pro. Also said it looks like he could play now and be effective. Now, we know pass pro was his best asset coming into the draft. 
draft. That's all they do at Washington State. Run blocking would be the area where he would need most of the work. But that's a great way to start off camp from the first round pick in Andre Dillard, right? For sure. And basically, I haven't um, seen Dillard get whooped at any point. So I feel like that's a good sign. I, I didn't specifically watch him today and key in on that. Um, but I've seen multiple reporters now say the same thing. And, and Lane Johnson, after practice, had said that he feels like Dillard would be ready to play like today if he had to. Like, he feels like he's ready. Hopefully he won't, obviously. Hopefully Jason Peters can stay healthy. But it's just good to know you have that extra insurance there, especially knowing that Jason Peters, while he might play some games or might not miss many games, he's probably going to be coming out of games at some points, at least like he did last year. So uh, very good uh, to hear and see that from Andre Dillard. Even with the run blocking, Mike, uh, I saw at least one rep, I think it might have been yesterday, where, or it might have been Saturday, where they ran to his side. It was him and Opeta as the second team left guard, and I think it was a Miles Sanders run. It might have been Smallwood. And they opened up a pretty good lane to his side. Like they, and they had confidence running to his side. It wasn't like a disaster. It wasn't like, you know, you run towards his way and he just gets blown up off the ball or, or he just doesn't really know what he's doing. So overall, all around, just definitely seeing some encouraging signs from Andre Dillard. I guess like one thing that I would say about him in terms of not being ready to play, like, you know, he just doesn't look as big, you know, obviously as like a Jason Peters who's huge <laughs> and Elaine Johnson who is huge. Like, I just think that'll come with time, you know, getting that like grown man NFL strength, which should only help him. But yeah, I mean, it's good to see him holding his own right now. Is there anything else going on with the offensive line as far as what the rotation likes with the first team and, and, and second team? Is, is it all pretty much standard fare there? Yeah, it's all pretty standard. You know, obviously Brandon Brooks um, is not doing the team drills yet, so mm-hmm. it's still Big V there all the way, which is a little weird in the sense of you would think like maybe they would at least want to give, you know, like Matt Pryor a look there because like, like, why not? You drafted him last year, but they really haven't. Um, it's It's been Big V all the way and everything else has been pretty standard. You could take it to be interesting that Opeta, you know, over, let's say, like Erbig or Bates or whoever, you know, is that second team left guard, you know, with Dillard at left tackle, Wiz at center, and then um, uh, who's playing right guard at that point? Who, uh, prior. Yeah. And then uh, Mylata at right tackle. Um, so that's I guess that's a little interesting too. Last thing here before we go to break that I want to touch on, you, you've written about this a couple of times, but... Tell me about this race for the ball leading up to team drills. What's what's that all about? Yeah, that's funny. That's like one of those things that like, if you're not really paying close attention, like I am, obviously, which is why you should be following <laughs> my notes, my analysis, um, is that last year it used to be Chris Long and Malcolm Jenkins who would run to the ball after like an individual drill or whenever they were kind of split up and they would go going into like a team drill, like an 11 on 11, basically. Usually those two guys would race to the ball. Different guys would win, I feel like, each time. Uh, I noticed that Brandon Graham and Malcolm Jenkins are doing it this year. And Malcolm Jenkins, in a fair fight, beat Brandon Graham on Monday. But today, Brandon Graham, I guess, like, he kind of had an unfair advantage because I guess he was, like, waiting. Like, the defensive linemen had already got done with their drills, and they were pretty much just waiting to get on the field, whereas the the secondary was kind of doing some stuff still. And Malcolm Jenkins, you know, saw that he was going to get beat, but he sprinted anyway and tried to make it as close as he could. I just think that's kind of a it's a small thing. But it's like a nice thing in the sense it's like those are two of the leaders on the team, two of the veterans, and they're kind of setting the tone of like, hey, we're going to keep this competitive and keep it fun, too. Like they were laughing. I saw Malcolm Jenkins laughing when he saw uh, Brandon Graham close to the ball because he knew he was going to lose. But uh, it's just I think it's kind of fun to see. Kind of just I think probably breaks up some of the monotony of camp, too. Like you're just trying to have some fun as well. 
yeah, that seems to be the theme for the defense is keep it light, be aggressive, play fast, but, you know, have a good time out there. And when we come back, we've talked about the offensive side of the ball. We talked about some some fun camp rituals now. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball when we're back here on BGN Radio episode 68. We'll be right back. And we are back here on BGN Radio, episode 68, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Brandon Lee Gowton, who was there at the Novacare Complex. We're talking day five of training camp. We already covered the offense. We're going to switch to the defensive side of the ball. First thing that I wanted to touch on, I'm going to switch gears on you. I know you know where I'm, uh, you think I'm going with this, but we have an update on the status of Rodney McLeod. What was his participation in camp today? And were there any other changes or notes on other injured players on the defensive side of the ball today? Yeah, so McLeod was actually doing some seven-on-seven seven and some one-on-one -on -one work. That's encouraging to see. I didn't really see anything super noteworthy out of his performance, but just the fact that, you know, he's out there actually taking those reps is a good sign, I feel like, you know, in terms of his chances to be able to play early in the season. Darby still isn't there yet. He was doing some, he was taking some group install reps on the defense, as was Nigel Bradham. Um, and speaking of the linebacker lineup, and, and probably one of the things worth noting from today's practice with the defense is that Bradham is in the middle, and then you have Kamu and Zach Brown on the outside in mm. base defense. Um, so that kind of gives you a, a clue, or at least a hint or a tell, whatever, that Brown is ahead of Nate Gary on the depth chart. And I, and it's, it's weird, though, because I say that, and I, I, I just can't help but feel, Mike, like, you know, Zach Brown is going to be the Michael Kendricks. We've already talked about this, but, like, the... He's making some plays, but like, why isn't he out there more? And I think there's reason for that. You know, he hasn't called a defense. He might not be the most assignment sound player. The coaching staff might not trust him, kind of like they really didn't trust Michael Kendricks ultimately, even though he, this player has good athletic ability. But I feel like I saw Zach Brown even taking reps with like the third string defense <laughs> at one point. Uh, that's kind of an interesting thing to watch. So Zach Brown is someone we have to watch, but someone that I know we really have to watch is someone we've been hyping up. And there are a couple of guys. You know it's time, BLG. You want to talk about Camus or Sydney first? I'll give you dealer's choice on that. Well, I've always liked Camus. Um, I've never been out on Camus by any means. I, I feel like going back to 2017 uh, when he had his real first full offseason with the Eagles because they had claimed him in September 2016, I saw something from him. Like This guy can cover a little bit. He has something. And it's been cool to see how he's progressed from like that, from being like a, kind of an unknown into a good special teams player for the Eagles in 2017 was their leading tackler, I believe, on special teams. And then last year, earning the special teams captain role and even winning that weak side linebacker job. So having a role in the defense in addition to a special teams role. And now you have Jim Schwartz after practice saying like he's made you know progress to being towards a full-time player. And now Schwartz said that doesn't necessarily he'll be mean he'll be on the field all the time, but kind of he was saying it more so in the context of like he's shown that he can do everything. Like Whereas you, you saw he had coverage ability before, and that makes sense because he was a former safety. Mm. He's gotten better at taking on blocks and being you know reliable in run defense as well and not just getting washed out. So really like the, the progress that Kamu was making. I've always been a fan of his. And, and like we said on yesterday's pod, like he's in a contract year. So this is a big season for him. Yeah, and it's cool to see that development because development is not linear. And there's a reason that the Eagles are taking a shot on guys like him and Nate Gary and, you know, converted safeties. And Camus looks like he's starting to be one of the success stories for that. Obviously, again, it's just training camp, but like everything we've seen along the way, because I've been following him pretty closely. I thought he had a really good season last year. We talked about it before, but like he's just taking those incremental steps and, and it just seems to get better along the way. 
getting praise from Jim Schwartz is awesome for him. But now we got to talk about my boy who seems to be taking a step himself. Sidney Jones, the hype train is real. Let's talk about some interceptions. Let's talk about my boy, Sidney Jones, breakout candidate, 2019. Stamp it. I mean, do we have to? Yeah, uh, we do. Do we I do. have to admit that <laughs> I was probably, you know, wrong on this guy? Well, I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine because, you know, I look, Mike, I motivated Nick Foles to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> so I think I can motivate people to do anything now. And I Love think it. Sidney Jones listens to BGN Radio. He he clearly reads Bleeding Green Nation. And he was like, you know what? That Brandon Lee Gowton guy, he's stupid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'm going to go out and prove him wrong for no other reason, you know, just, just because he wants to prove me wrong. Yeah. And clearly that's what's happening here. So I'm glad I could help Sidney Jones. You know, everyone, you're welcome. For, for real, though. Uh, it is great to see Sydney looking good out there. You know, I'm, I've never been rooting against him. Like I want him to look good, and that's what he's doing. And specifically, one of my biggest complaints with him from the spring was that, and even last training camp, like he wasn't standing out enough. Like I saw people saying he was looking good, and I'm like, I don't know, I guess, but like he's not really like doing anything. Like do something, you know, make a splash play, like Rizul and Avante Maddox are doing. Like do something to really get everyone's attention, and that's what he's been doing in this camp so far. Uh, during Tuesday's practice. He intercepted a Carson Wentz pass that was a short target for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and he just ripped the ball away from the rookie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like to see that aggressiveness to get in there and, and tightly contest that pass and then you know end up finishing the play and coming up with it. So really liking what I see from Sidney Jones. And it really begs the question, like, what's this cornerback slash defensive back picture going to look like? No it's, like yeah, we still don't know. Um, I guess, you know, it's the good thing is like, it doesn't feel like players are playing bad and we don't know, you know, right. it's like, Oh my gosh, who are they going to get to put out there? That's how it was back going in 2017. Right. Like the, the, the cornerback Patrick Robinson was looking carbone camp. It was like, who's going to play cornerback for this team. And then they ended up having to trade for Ronald Darby. Now, you know, like Darby, like again, I feel like he's going to be having some kind of role in this team after you're paying him all that money. But Razul Douglas finished last season strong in 2018 and he's looked good all off season. You know, Vontae Maddox had a great spring, hasn't been as active in training camp, but like, you know, we saw we from what we saw from him from his rookie year and the spring. Like I refuse to believe, you know, that he's not going to be good. Um, and then you have Sydney who's looking good. So uh, it might be a situation like we were talking about on yesterday's podcast where they might rotate guys and matchups and different things like that. But it will be interesting to see. I think you know the guy who stands the most to lose from this whole thing has to be Jalen Mills, hmm. especially because he's hurt. And he could potentially miss the first week, six weeks of the season or more if he's on that pup list. It could be a scenario where Rizal Douglas or whoever or Sydney or whoever is in there is playing so well and you can't take them out. And at that point, it's a weird spot for Jalen Mills because, like, you don't want to just throw him back out there on the field. Just because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just because. So it's kind of – it's still – like, there's still a lot to be figured out. And obviously, the preseason games are going to be, a, you know, a big factor in this whole equation. Uh, and so is health. You know, for – that's that's still another huge thing with Sydney. For as well as he's played, you know, he's had the injury bug for a while now. Mm-hmm. And, and thankfully, he's been healthy and hope, knock on wood, hopefully he can stay healthy. But we just need to see him continue to do that just like we say for Carson Wentz. Yeah, and there's a couple of things that I want to touch on there. You subliminally threw in a, uh, a cautionary yellow light in there when you mentioned Patrick Robinson having a bad camp, really bad camp in 2017. Like I remember everybody saying he was awful. Turns around, has a really, really good 2017 camp.
campaign working from the nickel spot. So training camp isn't the end-all be-all. We still have preseason to go as well. And then the second thing that you brought up, the whole Jalen Mills thing, with how good Rasul Douglas has looked in camp, I, I really feel like it's a sign that he could see some starting time uh, with this defensive backfield. And Mills is still healing up from the mysterious foot injury. Are you as optimistic as I am that Sewell is starting to gain an inside track to more meaningful playing time, whether it be starting or as a situational piece? I would hope so, especially for like, because what more should he do? Like, what more <laughs> do you want him to do? Like, I don't know what else he could really do, like, yeah. other than like be literally perfect on every single rep and never make a mistake ever. Like, I, I, I mean, I think the thing there would have to be he would have to be crushing it in the film room, too. We don't get to see that. And maybe that's what kept him off the field fair. last year. And maybe he's getting better at that. Like, we, those are the parts like we don't know. But from what we see, like, he's been awesome. Yeah. And I think one thing to remember well, first, I want to add context to the Patrick Robinson thing. I think one of the, the key things that there is that he was playing outside early in camp right and then they were able to put him in the nickel mm-hmm. um later in camp and that's when he started playing better and that's his i think natural spot like yeah. that's where pastor robinson ideally should be um so that's worth noting the other thing worth noting like these kind of tales from training camp past and learning from them is that ronald darby and jalen mills look very good like very very <sighs> very good in training camp last year and now maybe some of that was that you know the eagles were more banged up at receiver and like you know they Alshon right. wasn't practicing. Um, I think Aguilar missed some time. Matt Collins was obviously banged up. Like they were down more receivers than they are this year. Like they're in a much better spot at receiver. So that would give you some confidence that Sidney Jones and Rachel Douglas and Maddox playing well is like more real than mm-hmm. it was then Maddox or, or when Mills and Darby were, were looking good last summer. Yeah. So it's kind of hard, you know, to, to, to know what to take away from that position in particular. But yeah, I would, I would say Rizul like has to be out there on the field. I feel the same way about Maddox and I'm starting to come on with that way with Sydney too. So it just, it's kind of weird. Like, cause then like, where does that leave Ron? Cause I like Darby yeah. and I think he should be playing. Uh, but it's just, I, I guess ultimately if they're all playing well, you know, it really is quote unquote, that good problem to have. And you kind of figure it out. It's a, it's something you would take other than again, trying to find guys to play. Cause you don't have anyone to play, but it's, it's still unsettled. And I guess that kind of makes me a little anxious uh, it makes us all anxious. It's like, we just want to know the answer, and we don't yet. I mean, we talk about the mouse to feed on the offensive side of the ball. They got some mouse to feed in that defensive backfield. So it's good to see the competition. They are paying some dividends, getting some better play from those guys. And that was good context that you brought there. So we have Rasul as a bit of a riser. We got another riser today. There was a stud today on the defensive side of the ball as, as well. That's Joe Osman, second-year guy at a Central Michigan who racked up several sacks today. At least two of them came against the uh, second-year man, Jordan Mailata. That's a matchup that we highlighted yesterday as a good barometer. Osman being the more technically sound but unspectacular edge rusher, Mylotta being the green as grass tackle with the fantastic athletic profile. And right now it looks like Osman, and rightfully so, I mean, this is kind of what I expected. Osman has the upper hand. Any thoughts on uh, on those two? Yeah, I think this is interesting. You know, let first let's let's go to the Osman Osman Mylotta battle. Uh, so he beat him yesterday. Osman definitely beat Mylotta yesterday, and on Tuesday. He beat him again, twice at least, one time, just really with really good bend around the edge. And that's something that he has. You look at his three-cone drill, it's really good. He's, he's, he's athletic. Um, that was not an issue with Osman. Then he also got to Nate Sudfeld for a quote-unquote sack uh, while roasting Mylotta on a spin move. So that's like watching that from, from Joe, it's like, 
I don't think this is the case of just Milata being green and bad and inexperienced. Like he's showing like good moves, like real moves, you know, and maybe a better offensive tackle probably could counter those better or stands a better chance against him. But I just, I like what I see out of that guy. And I really liked him last year. Like the idea of this guy who's, who has a decent athletic profile, had very good production in college at a premium position. Um, you know, he's kind of undersized, but he's had, you know, a full off season to, to gain more strength. I've talked about how his arms are like going to explode because he's been working out so much and he's so strong. You know, we've seen Brandon Graham have success as a guy who's not the biggest guy, but has a lot of power. And I think Osman could be maybe in that kind of mold a little bit. At the very least, I thought it was pretty interesting, you know, putting those my lot of plays aside that the Eagles were giving Joe some first team reps wow. as like a joker lining up, you know, as a stand up uh, over the interior offensive line. Like I thought that was that was curious. And Jim Schwartz kind of talked about that after practice and said um, they were kind of just like experimenting with different things. Just for some reference to what that looks like, if, if you if you listen, gentle listener, to like our Houston Texans previews or even when we talked about Clowney, like when we talk about Clowney standing up and being a linebacker, being that kind of joker, that's kind of what I imagine they're doing with Osman. They're having him stand up near a gap in the interior offensive line as a linebacker. They're, they're having him shoot that gap. And Clowney, of course, is a terror with it. So I, I imagine he's a lot more effective than Osman is. But that's interesting that they're doing that maybe we see some of that during the regular season so that's a good note blg so joe osman is the new jadavion Clowney. <laughs> you heard it here first from mike he's gone from steven means to jadavion Clowney in one day uh but but seriously though jim schwartz said quote we're just trying to move him around a little bit and see if we can carve out a role for him mm. end quote like that's that's not nothing i think that's you know i think osman is definitely like fighting for a roster spot maybe as a fourth I mean, that would be his absolute best case somehow beating out Josh Sweat and being that fourth guy, but maybe more realistically kind of being that fifth guy. And if Sweat would falter or get hurt or whatever, like Osman's right there, you have him. So I think, you know, I've kind of up to this point, I've kind of just been thinking Osman as practice squad lock for sure. I don't know. I think you can make a roster push here, especially if the team's giving them first team reps. Like, why not? Yeah, just a quick note. I was going to say, like, Osman being an undrafted free agent, he had other offers. From what I heard, the Eagles gave him a really hard sell and really wanted to develop him. So they do see something there. They have seen something there with him. So I'm not too shocked by it. But it, again, just like with the Camus thing, it's interesting to see the development. It's good to see the development that this defensive coaching staff is being able to do with these guys and helping them take the next step forward. It's going to be key for them in the future. Have the ability to develop these cheaper cost guys over a period of time so it's good to see yeah so mike uh you said joe osman was the next clowny i need to talk to you about <laughs> another one of your comparisons that you made uh a while back oh, when you said that clayton thorson was the next <laughs> peyton manning no context needed here. You, you just compared them and you said they're going to be the exact same player, exact career. Is that right? No, uh, no, 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 no. Come on now. Okay, so 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 here's the context. BLG is going to try to trap me, and I'll, I'll play I'll play along. I did say that Clayton Thorson was the next Peyton Manning, but what I, what I was saying was when you watch Clayton Thorson tape from the the end zone view, like he's he's got that same like body type, and he had the number eighteen as well, and he's got like the quick release. And when you watch him like work through his progression in the pocket and he's and his footwork his quick footwork and everything like that in the pocket he kind of looks like Peyton Manning until you see what happens after the ball comes out of his hands which apparently he's been struggling with at camp is that right oh boy uh <laughs> so on Monday we had some reporters who've covered the team for a long time say that the Clayton Thorson what I call is an arm punt basically <laughs> uh, with the worst throw they've ever seen in training camp and again multiple reporters said that today 
there was a, a new challenger for that play just one day later. Clayton Thorson rolls out a naked boot. Uh, he has Boston Scott, like, I don't know, 10, five yards, literally just like right in front of him, wide open. First of all, like, it just took too long to get the ball out. Like, he's, he's looking right at him. It's like, what are you doing? Like, he's right there. Just throw it. Like, take the check down. He's, he's, he's wide open. There's no one around him at all. Uh, like, there's no reason to even be looking down the field for something more. Like, it's just take that easy play. It's right there. It's literally right in front of you. So he takes too long for whatever reason. I didn't. I don't even know if he's looking down the field. I, I don't know what was going through his head at all. Because then Clayton Thorson finally throws the ball, and it's like into the ground, like in like yards in front of Boston Scott's feet. It's like, what are you doing? Like, what is that? Like, how does that even happen? It was just like, is this real? Look, Mike, I, I get you know, as a rookie, rookies are going to struggle. I'm not expecting perfection by any means, but like. Can you at least show something that makes it feel like this is why the Eagles are developing you? Because I'm just not even seeing that. I feel like that's a very low bar, and I feel like he's not even reaching that very low bar. Can I tell you what he's showing off? Sure. He is showing off my Peyton Manning, my Peyton Manning comparison from 2015 when Peyton Manning yeah. threw nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions, under 60% completion percentage, and like, what was it? It's yards per attempt or low and everything like that. Like, that that's that's my comparison. He is he is 2015 Peyton Manning, which is a, uh, that's a bad thing. So something to monitor as we work through this process. BLG, any last notes before we get out of here? I have a question and then a, a note. Um, worst draft pick, Donnell Pumphrey or Clayton Thorson? Man, I mean, they traded up for Pumphrey, bro, and they haven't gotten anything out of him. So, yeah. like, right now, I'm going to have to go Pumphrey because, I mean, we we know what Pumphrey hasn't given us. I don't think Thorson's going to give us anything over the long term. I think it's a bit of a wasted pick. But when you look at, like, the different hit rates between fifth rounders and fourth rounders, they traded up for him, all those different factors. I think Pump is, is definitely the worst pick. I would just say that, you know, Thorson taking him, and if he doesn't turn out, if he doesn't make this roster, and, like, he was one of your five picks in a five-selection draft, like, Jeez, man. Like Ben that's, laughed at me a, when I said, I don't know if he makes the roster. After That was right after the draft. Like I was dead serious about that too. So maybe I'm going to win that bet. Maybe I'll get a vending machine. I think I bet I'm like a vending machine item. So I might have a Pop-Tart coming my way. Yeah. So again, I'm not writing I'm – like, I'm not cutting him today. You know, he still has the rest of the summer and preseason game to improve or show more, whatever. But I, I'm like – I think we can at least like realistically say that there's some kind of possibility he does not make the roster. Like that seems very real to me right now. I don't I'm not saying it's 100%, but like there's some kind of chance. It's not like a 0% chance. Yeah. So that's not the most encouraging thing. And the other thing I wanted to end on is Miles Sanders, baby. Yeah. Definitely seeing some juice from him, some encouraging signs. He had a touchdown run from about 5 yards out today. Um nothing like super special, but just like found the hole wiggled around, like fought through some contact and got into the end zone. Like, great. Love to see that. Love to see the coaching staff giving him red zone looks like that too. Because, you know, I think Jordan Howard is going to get some good work there this season. But also just nice to see the exciting rookie in there as well. But even more importantly, probably one of the most important things from practice. I mean, I love the wheel route. Who doesn't love the wheel route? It's undefeated. Um, it, it's it's undefeated. It's just such a satisfying play when you see it. Because it's like, yes. like Because it just feels like, like when it's perfect, like you just can't stop it. Like, you know, the defense has a linebacker or whatever matched up on this running back, and you know like you're gonna get that matchup and you know you're gonna win it. Like yeah. there's there's not a linebacker for the most part who's gonna be able to hang with the running back. And Miles Sanders, you know, gets out on the wheel route and Carson Wentz hits him, perfect touch pass. It just reminded me of seeing Shady used to do that. Because, you know, especially when Chip came in, like they were working that and that just felt like you said, undefeated when they tried to do that. So 
I'm hoping to see that this year from the Eagles, from Miles Sanders. You know, Carson Wentz throwing, dropping back and throwing to him. I think that can be a real weapon in addition to all the other weapons this team already has. And just Miles Sanders showing some ability as a pass catcher in general is very encouraging because he didn't really do, you know, a ton of it right. uh, at Penn State. Like He has that profile, I understand, but he doesn't have like the track record of actually the reps and doing it. So for him to show that, just encouraging. And overall, I guess, an encouraging just Eagles practice day five of training camp. Yeah, and a lot of young guys, other than Thorson that we talked about, a lot of the young guys seem to be taking steps forward and looking really promising this camp. So that's going to be big for this team moving forward, getting contributions from from the young group of players. It's looking great so far. Of course, we'll continue our coverage and make sure that holds holds course as we go through this. We'll be back tomorrow with more training camp observations. We'll also have, I uh, had a chat with Evan Silva of EstablishTheRun.com. We went through 11 different teams. Their over-unders for win totals, what we thought about them, maybe some fool's gold, some hidden gems in there. So keep an eye on that in your BGN feed. we got a ton of shows dropping this week. And thank you for keeping it here on BGN. We will catch you next time. BGN. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.